you make money in real estate two ways, down markets, up markets. It's just your attitude. It's really it. I mean, you, you can make money you know, all the time in real estate. It, and people look at me perplexed sometimes, but it is the truth. I got into real estate yeah. down market, did extremely well. And then the up market, you know, start selling stuff, refine stuff and making more money. And then down again, we're going to make money again. So it's, it's, I'm a very optimistic person. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss, and I am so grateful today. It is a beautiful day. I've had a great day. And to end off the day or the evening with such an amazing conversation with my good friend, John Mejia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Yona. Appreciate it. Uh, excited to be here with you once again. I am excited. Yeah, we actually did earlier this week a presentation together on your end. <laughs> They're going to air at different times, but that was a lot of fun. So glad we can you know, reconnect a little different topic, same energy. So I love it. Great. Great. So, yeah, I mean, for, for people who don't know you, John, let's give a, a little background. I mean, you are the founder of Providence Investments, which is a multifamily investment company. You're doing a lot of ground up development also, but, you know, over 500 million in acquisition and transactions. I mean, it's that's a lot, right? And giving a lot of returns to amazing investors, you know, doing this for over a decade, you have a lot of track record. And that's something that everyone in the space now is looking for. But question I have for you, just to kind of start this out is how do you get there? Like, where'd you start off? Like, what, where'd you come from jumping into real estate? Oh, yeah, 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 you know, yes. Gosh, it's a loaded question, but question that, you know, I'm very thankful. Let me start there. I'm very thankful. Thank God for every day, you know, where I am. You know, I got started, obviously, I don't even have a business degree. I have a science degree from Syracuse University, from New York City, grew up in New York, went to uh, aviation high school in Queens, and then went to Syracuse. And, you know, I always dreamed to be in a pilot, joined the Navy, became an officer, became a pilot, and realized that dream. And, you know, in 9-11, I was flying for US Airways. I was the first officer for US Airways. And unfortunately, 9-11 happened a year later, December 19, 2002, I was furloughed. And U.S. Airways filed bankruptcy, United, American, you know, airlines like, you know, some airlines just completely disappear. And unfortunately, you know, I was one of those pilots and I hit the streets. I had no idea where I was going to go. I came just newlywed, living in Birmingham, Alabama with my wife. She's from here. So I, I'm driving back to Birmingham, just driving. It's like, God, what am I going to do with my life? And within a few weeks, I got a job again, flying as a corporate pilot. And actually, out of all planes, I was flying the Israeli uh, West Wing 2. So, um, you know, I was like, well, that's great. So here I am flying the Israeli jet for this company. And that company, the CEO, went committed some bad actions. It was a big hell south. It was a big one. He ended up being indicted and all that stuff. He ended up, you know, obviously going to jail, and all that, you know, and you can look it up. It's all on YouTube. And I lost my job because of that three months later. And I recall yeah. flying back from Cancun and they gave me a $938 paycheck saying two weeks severance pay in St. John. Our, uh, you know, our company is in trouble and we're selling the plane. And here I was again, Yona, out of a job and did not know what I was going to do. I interviewed with here in Alabama, I did not know a soul. So here I am, you know, applying for uh, selling cars at Uber, Toyota, Mercedes-Benz. 
Parisians selling shoes for women. I fell out an application, didn't get hired. I went into Home Depot, fell out an application on the computer back then, did not get a call back. Interview with about 23 companies, pharmaceutical companies to get into pharmaceuticals and and realize, you know, just get a job and, you know, but I never got, basically I was overqualified. People are like, you're going to go back to flying, you're a pilot, you will never leave that. And I'm saying, look, you have no idea what it's like. And I recall just being very stressed out. You know, my wife is making $35,000 a year as a pharmaceutical rep, living in, in one bedroom apartment in Hoover, Alabama, paying $750, $60 a month. Things were tight and I have no income. And I saw myself staring at a newspaper ad that said, she rocking homes for $10 an hour. And if you go to uh, the Birmingham Business Journal, they interviewed me there. And I was, thank God, I was the CEO of the 2020 the year. And they asked me the most unsurreal, you know, what was the most surreal thing that ever happened to you? And I talk about it there. But I actually ended up going to the sheet rocking job, filling an application. And I probably was wow. the only guy that gave her the resume too. I had a resume with the application. <laughs> I said, here's my resume. She looked at me and said, knowing that I can't sheet rock, it's nowhere in there. Hey, can you sheet? Do you know how to sheet rock? I said, no, I don't, but I can learn. And she said, I'm sorry, we're too busy. That was April of 2003. I left there pretty down and pretty low. You know, all these, you know, demons in my head just talking. You know, and I was even asking myself, you know, the question, do I even matter? And it's like, John, you're nothing. You speak four languages. You're a pilot. You're a naval officer. You, you're a college, you have a college degree, but you cannot even get a sheetrocking job for ten making $10 an hour. You're nothing. You're just nothing. And to make matters worse, I went to the bank to withdraw some money to go get me a Subway sandwich. And my ATM card kept getting denied. I walked inside the bank. I said, ma'am, can you please help me? My ATM card is not working for some reason. And she said, no, sir, your ATM card is working, but you only have 13 cents in your bank account. Wow. That's when it hit me. Sorry. I, I definitely hear, I hear the emotion. and just recalling this. It's so I walked yeah. out of there, Yona, and I went back to my apartment and I just broke down. My wife, you know, my wife was working as a pharmaceutical rep, obviously, some, you know, North Alabama that day. And I was alone and I just broke down and I just cried, just cried out to God. Just, God, what do you want me to do? What is nothing I do works? What's what do I need to do? And I just I was just yelling. I was mad at God, just yelling at the ceiling. And, you know, I felt it right here. God just speaking to me and say, get into real estate. And I remember looking at the ceiling, wiping my tears, and I yelled out, real estate, seriously, real estate? And I heard it again. Yes, inside, you know, in your soul, it's, yes, real estate. Because I was like, I'm a pilot. And I felt it again, said, yes, real estate. And I said, okay. In June 2003, I got my real estate license. I started selling real estate. Within a year, I was rookie of the year. Two years later after that, I opened up my own company, Providence Real Estate. This is 2007 now, and the market crashed. But the beautiful thing about it was I had a, this gentleman that was retiring to the beach, Marcus Elliott, nice Jewish man, friend of mine here in the community, and came and said to me, look, John, do these BPOs. They will pay off one day. But I was very interested in that. And I did that on the side. Yona, I was representing the top two banks, the, the Aquin and JP Morgan, one of the big banks, two of the big banks. And when the market crashed, I was inundated with business. My business quadrupled overnight. I was selling 120 to 130 homes a year. One month alone in October, I made $103,000, 2007, October. When everybody was closing doors, I was opening doors and I was hiring people and flourishing. And I had 86, 83 homes I couldn't sell. They were upside down. These are clients' homes. And I had the idea to rent them for them and create cash flow for them. But in return, it helped me because I was collecting 10% of that rent. So here I am making 97, 9,600 bucks a month residual income in essence. 
just from nothing. My, just from the rental properties. That's it. And I'm like, wow, this mailbox money is great. I really like it. And in 2010, I started getting interested in creating wealth. I was in Disney World with my two daughters and I was thinking, you know, I was getting a lot of calls and getting bombarded. You know, here I am, you know, commission. I mean, I was making over half a million dollars now a year and just bombarded with calls and I had six employees and 17 brokers. And I'm thinking there's got to be another way. And I'm look, and I looked at my daughters and I said to myself, if I die, they have nothing. I just want to create wealth. And I just, you know, talking to God, just like, what can I do? Give me an idea. And the thought came into get into apartments. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's scary. And literally started studying about apartments and getting and just really looking at, you know, going to seminars and, and just learning. And in 2012, I bought my first deal. Out of all places, I bought it in Augusta, Georgia with pro golfers. I mean, God just aligned all the planets and everything, just everything just lined up for me. And I ended up closing that deal within six months, bought a, almost 800 units, the same group. 2014, you know, I started expanding on my own. I was strong enough to do more deals and went into the Carolinas, went into, you know, obviously Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and started expanding and created my management company. I started managing everything that we have. We went to Florida and acquired more investors, institutional investors and fund investors, you know, from different places, from Israel to the Philippines, South America, in the U.S. And it just started growing. And today, you know, we are obviously, you know, we do value add. We close in some big deals, you know, 60, 40 million dollar yeah. deals, developing deals as well, the ground up in several different states. I have about six deals going right now, development and wow. and also an acquisition. We just did a big one, Texas, and you know, we're over four thousand units and almost six hundred million dollars in assets. But the cool thing about this whole story is that nine years later to the month, when I was broken and not knowing what I was going to do with my life with 13 cents in my bank account. Nine years later, I bought the apartments across the street from those apartments, 220 units, 14 and a half million bucks. If you would have told me then, John, take a look at those apartments, peek out your window and look at those apartments. You're going to own them in nine years from now. I would have told you, no way. It's too much. <laughs> Only God. So yeah. very thankful, Yona. That's my story. That's awesome. Wow. There's a lot to unpack. Obviously it was is a lot of emotion there. What draws me the most is, I mean, you have this kind of in you to, I mean, just a natural, you know, you turn, like you said, you just put your hands up, turn to God. You have that inner voice in you. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has that type of conviction and wherewithal, on, you know, that state of mind where at least, you know, who to turn to, right? What, you know, when, when all else has failed, I'm curious to know if you don't want to mind my sharing, where, where do you get that from? I mean, wh where did that, was that just something you, you picked up along the way or as a pilot, I guess everyone needs. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I was raised by a relationship with my grandmother, Rose, you know, short little old, you know, lady, Jewish lady. She just, you know, just spoke to me about God constantly as a kid and spoke blessings over me. You know, uh, Psalm 1-3, she sat down at the table, uh, you know, and she just spoke as a kid. I had spent a lot of time. My parents, you know, they were divorced and I grew up in a very, you know, broken home in New York City, you know, and very poor. And my grandmother became, you know, more, you know, she became my pillar. And, and I always remember that. I mean, listen, I, I've been through a lot of battles in my life, but also encounter and achieve great things. And I'm not ashamed of saying it. I mean, I'm just very thankful for God because it's been a monumental, you know, he guides me. I mean, I just give it all, you know, to Hashem and that's what I think. And that's what I do. That's yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm on the same playing wavelength. I definitely see that, but I mean, it's literally, you know, it's amazing to see the kind of rags to riches story. And now you've been able to create that wealth, that generational wealth for your children and your family. 
And now for investors, I mean, obviously you have institutional investors, but I'm sure it relates a lot to you about you know how you can actually come and bring that, bring it full circle. I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. To me, it's not work. And we've done exceptionally well. I mean, I got in in a great time when things were tough in real estate. I created, you know, started growing and doing value at deals and created that wealth. You know, and I always tell people, I mean, it's just how you look at things, right? You know, I tell people, you know, people come up to me sometime and say, hey, John, when is a good time to invest? Is now a good time or should I wait? And I always tell people, look, you make money in real estate two ways, down markets, up markets. It's just your attitude. It's really it. I mean, you, you can make money you know, all the time in real estate. It, and people look at me perplexed sometimes, but it is the truth. I got into real estate yeah. down market, did extremely well. And then the up market, you know, start selling stuff, refine stuff and making more money. And then down again, we're going to make money again. So it's, it's, I'm a very optimistic person. You have to stay in it long term. That's that's yeah, the key. Exactly. I mean, real estate is not something that you know you're gonna like you said, when you were a broker and you had your own deals and you were closing deals, that was just all transactional. That wasn't real real estate wealth building. Right. And that takes a lot of time. True. It is. And you gotta stick it out. You know, being an entrepreneur is tough, it's not easy. It, it takes you gotta be intentional about things. You have to have the wits about you and, and not fear. You got to have, you know, you got to make some hard decisions sometimes. And, you know, you, you can't fear. You got to be, sometimes you got to be fearless, you know, not sometimes, most of the time. If you're going to do great yeah. things, you, you got to jump out there and embrace change and adversity and use it as a positive and grow from there, you know, because obstacles are really opportunities hidden. And that's the beauty about things. It's just, you know, it's just how you perceive it, how you look at a, you know, at a problem and really, I'm solving problems. The big gap between you and wealth is called a problem. And if you don't see it that way, then you're going to have issues in overcoming things. Yeah, 100%. It's really about your mindset. And you said you know, you're an optimistic person. It really is about the mindset. You can, you can do great, but if you don't have the right outlook, it's going to be very difficult to succeed. And you're not, that doesn't That's mean so that true. you're not going to have bad days. That does not mean that you're not going to feel <laughs> down. That you, you know, someone's going to call you. It's like, oh, you, you feel kind of down. I'm like, no, no, no. It's part of that. You got you to... Gotta, you know, grind through it. But then, you know, there are times that you just, just get beat. Then it's like, okay, I got to pick up and move on and, and jump again. And, you know, do unto others as you want to do unto yourself. You know, just do good things and keep things in the up and up, but never give up. That's the bottom line. You got, like you say, you got to, it's got to be consistent, gradual, and don't expect getting rich overnight or getting, you know, buying a thousand units overnight. That's dangerous, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Grow it slowly. You got to follow all the business principles. And the Tanaka has, don't get me started. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, people ask me, where do you get these of, principles? I'm like, well, you want to know? I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. A lot of principles that we have in our traditions. Right. It's amazing when they're, when they brought out to life. I want to, you know, ask you a little bit, dig deep, no pun intended, but about the development that you're doing, right? Digging up ground and putting in new homes. How did you transition into that? Because that seems to me that is something a lot of people strive to, but very few who are, you know, real estate apartment owners, investors, very few actually move into that space? No, great question. I mean, I was faced with the decision, you know, obviously we started as value add guys and obviously, you know, things gotten better and better and better and prices just started getting too much, too high, too expensive to acquire and make them work, make deals happen. Mm-hmm. So the thought, you know, came is like, you know, I got to be able to be nimble and maneuver in case I need to. But that in case really became more like you need to learn this and be prepared. Because you may have to go into that bag and pull out whatever you got in there. And at the beginning, I was able, you know, I had an opportunity to be JV on a deal, but I was very small 
And it was with my previous partner that I got started in the business with and just helping making peanuts uh, on the deal. Mm-hmm. And I got involved with it and I started learning some ropes and how to get this done. Also, I was able to, you know, thank God, I was able to align myself with good people around me, lenders and folks that did, you know, real estate and some contractors and the and brokers. And of course, my goal was to be a person of value. How can I add value to others? Doing a development on your own and starting from scratch, it is almost impossible. It is extremely, extremely hard. So I started, you know, growing, obviously, my balance sheet and my, you know, having my management company, working out all the kinks and making sure that it's, you know, full-fledged and running well. And I brought those specialties to others and provided, you know, those developers that were trying to get up the ground and did not have all the balance sheet or all the requirements. I was able to marry with some of those guys and landowners, for instance. Mm. And because at the end of the day, it is very capital intensive. But if I find a landowner that knows real estate, that wants to stay in the deal, even better. That buys me time. That buys me the land. I don't have to pay for it. So it's a lot right. of different things. So I put all these different structures, you know, a little, you know, too long to discuss over the over the course here. But sure. but I, I was able to, you know, this is one thing I, I've always been good at. I, I've been able to put deals together and, and construct you know, just get very creative. I tell people that real estate is an art. And if you are a good painter, you know, people are going to come all over to watch your drawings and obviously pay you good money money for it to see them on, on display. And right. I just, I have been able to put these pieces together and construct these alliances that, that has actually made it very, you know, amicably feasible for both parties to do well with it, but also not just to do one deal, but also to grow it. And I've been able to duplicate that over and over and over. And of course, you know, now, you know, it's evident that it works. You know, we are certified HUD developer too, which is the, one of the hardest things to do out there, but also do D4. I do ground up market rate, you know, I put bridge debt on it and get a 223F, you know, so I just love that model, right. but it's a number of, of alliances and structures steady, you know, that I had to put together, but also learning, having a basis based on my previous deal that I did, learning some some of those foundations. So, you know, that's how I got into it. I know it's somewhat of a short answer, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, a lot went into it and providing all the benefits and value that we can provide to the table to someone else that doesn't have it. Sure. It enhances credibility and it helps them, it helps us. And there we are building stuff. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of putting pieces together. Like you said, it's an art and just combining those pieces, being creative. I mean, it sounds like really in that regard, almost anyone can do that. You know, if you have the time, you have some ideas and you have the right people, you know, it's just about being creative, figuring it out. I know that everybody sounds much more encouraging. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I mean, where do you see this going in the next five, 10 years? What's in store for Providence Investments? Right now we have almost 1700 units in the pipeline development and continue to, you know, see more opportunities. But I also do value add. You know, we, we're not shying away from that as well. We're very opportunistic. We're always looking for opportunities. We're looking to also expand on the third-party management market or space, if you will, not just for the fee, but also to add value, to go to developers, owners that need, you know, more boosts on their business that can grow, that want that want to grow, but don't have the management company per se. They don't have the capital. Now we bring equity to deals and we bring our talents and help them grow, help us grow. And, you know, so we're going through different, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening, good stuff that are happening, not easy stuff, but good stuff. 
I see us going over a billion dollars in real estate asset and beyond. Again, I'm very cautious and maybe too cautious sometimes, but I'm very eager to see this company, you know, grow to, I mean, I'll throw you the number out there. I want to see us, you know, reach 32,000 units at one point. And it's just a very lofty goal that I have, but it's a dream. Yeah. I mean, listen, if on the path that you're on, it's definitely possible. Thank you. So yeah, I wish you a lot of, a lot of luck uh, and success, you know, and as we say, help, help from above <laughs> um, to, to get you um, there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to transition to what we call now the final four, John. These are four questions I ask all my guests. First question to you is <clears throat> what was the worst job that you ever had? I guess I don't have to rate that by the, the amount of time I spent on it. <laughs> I was 17 years old and I was trying to make money to go take flying lessons. And here in New York City, Manhattan, kid, and I got my first summer job. And I went to work at McDonald's. And here I am, you know, working at McDonald's. And I want to be in the cashier and right? the cash register. I want to do that. And well, they had me working, cleaning toilets and back and taking up the trash. And I even fell. You know, I had these shoes slippery. And I'm like, man, this thing is rough. <laughs> and I remember trying to make sense of all that. And, and as a kid, I was like, man, this is just not this bad. And I remember that's been my worst job ever. I mean, it sounds like I'm you know, crazy, but I literally didn't come back the next day. And they had a check waiting for me. I didn't even want to show up. I sent my cousin to go get it and say, keep it. <laughs> and return the clothes with him. And he did it, you know. My cousin Manny, he's like, Are you sure you want me? I said, Absolutely. Whatever they give you, just keep it. <laughs> well, that sounds like a bad experience for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's a great <laughs> job, but for me, it didn't work out. So I like to go eat places, not work for, for food, I guess. I don't know. No, I hear that. It's interesting. A lot of people kind of have that experience at the very, very beginning. A lot of successful people, you see what it is that you're just not cut out for. And obviously, we're cut out for something quite different. Let me put this because I got a job after that. And I only lasted maybe two days on that job. It was like the clearing photos, like on a photo, you know, a Photoshop place and being in the dark room, like, what am I doing here? This is depressing. <laughs> so I, I quit that job. And the job that I got for the summer that I actually enjoyed was a sales job. They gave me, I walked from downtown Manhattan, putting out these flyers on this bilingual school, like learn, you know, how to say it was English or Chinese, whatever they, they learn another language. And I walked all the way from downtown, you know, just walking in the street and selling people. And so they can come and sign up for this. That was the greatest job ever. That was my first job. That's, I loved it. There you go. There you go. That's amazing. You see that a little, little adversity and leads you to where you need to be. Yeah. I think that's the lesson from this podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Overall. Second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Book I read that gave me a paradigm shift. Well, I have to throw in Proverbs, read a lot of it. I mean, still do and take notes. I just do. But secular book out there, you know, I would say um, that really, you know, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. It's mm, been a very interesting book. I kept looking for the secret. It's like, what's the secret? What's the secret? You know, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone else out there, but really, you'll know what it is and you'll find it. It's amazing. But uh, as a secular book, that was one of the really shifted, but Proverbs all day long. There you go. Yeah. Proverbs. Yeah, I love it. The Proverbs are the best. There's always, you know, the opposite. Every every verse is, is basically, you know, an opposite, telling two sides of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, very powerful. Very powerful. Written by the wisest of all men. So, That's true. You, you know, a lot, of, a lot of wisdom there. Absolutely. 100%. Can't, can't go wrong with that. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And this could be anything. Oh, playing the guitar. Play the piano, 
by ear. This one thing I just, I would love to learn how to play the guitar. I bought one and it's a little challenging and it's time consuming. You know, I'm just have this vision of sitting some, you know, at night, you know, you know, having a little glass of wine and singing songs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I haven't mastered that. So I'm working towards it. There you go. Okay. That's awesome. I mean, listen, it's actually funny. It's one of the most common answers that we get on this really? uh, podcast when I ask that. Yeah. A lot of people want to learn to play the guitar. Maybe I should start like a, an online <laughs> guitar school, you know, sounds like hey. I have a lot of clients lined up. I'll sign up. Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? Freedom. Freedom to do the things you want to do, what you want to do, when you want to do them. Just the freedom of choices. Being able to, you know, I'm big on family. Obviously, you know, not coming from a broken home, but also, you know, just being able to be there with my kids at any time I want, when I want to, at their birthday, whatever time, I make my own schedule. The freedom to, you know, go to Israel, hang out with you in Jerusalem whenever I want. You know, I say, you know, I just... <laughs> You know, I mean, just to go and do and have the choices and to, you know, to, to help others, you know, that, you know, people that are in, you know, someone that is in need and do something, you know, not knowing who helped them, you know, it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the best feelings. That's yes. definitely something I can um, relate to. So it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. So John, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Sure. On LinkedIn, John Mejia. I'm on LinkedIn. Providenceinvestments.com is our, the name of our website. You can also download ebooks there that I have, a few things that, that I like to talk about and like this. And so I'm all over the internet, social media, yeah. Instagram, Facebook. You just follow us on Providence Investments, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, and also LinkedIn on my own personal name, John Mejia, M-E-J-I-A. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I really do. This was just a lot of fun. I was moved a lot by your story and I'm sure many of our listeners were as well. So thank you for sharing that. Jonah, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking with you. You're an amazing person. Love you, man. Take care. Appreciate it. God bless. Thank you, John. God bless. And to our listeners, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.